From the Heritage Foundation, I'm Tim Desher, and this is Heritage Explains. I look at it as it's both damning for the usage of leaked information, uh, if it's classified or you know was part of a law enforcement sense of investigation, to be leaked in many ways for political purposes, mm-hmm. one. But two, probably the more thing, important thing is from like either the intelligence community or law enforcement apparatus is what that could do to our sources and methods of how we collected that information. Mm-hmm. It could inhibit you know, the future of an investigation entirely. It could uh, damage an allied relationship, you know, yeah. and if, depending on if that information it came from an overseas source from our allies, which can be highly damning to relationships. Yeah. Um, and what's really frustrating at times, too, is a lot of the times these leaks are done in such a way that it's cherry-picking information. Yeah. So you'll see members of Congress run out there and speculate, even like right now. Like I said, I, I don't have all the details of this specific case, but to a large extent, it's highly speculative yeah. until we really probably see, you know, uh, the inspector general's review. That's Dustin Carmack. He's a research fellow in the Center for Tech Policy here at the Heritage Foundation. He sat down with me to discuss his recent article that asks a crucial question. Should law enforcement be able to investigate leaks of classified information? Hmm. Good question. But before we answer, let's set the stage. Leaks happen all the time. And the sensitivity of information leaked runs the spectrum. From phone calls to emails and text messages to park benches, even parking garages in the 70s, as portrayed in this Warner Entertainment gem. It was a Halderman operation. The whole business was run by Halderman, the money, everything. It won't be easy getting at him. He was insulated. You'll have to find out how. Mitchell started doing covert stuff before anyone else. The list is longer than anyone can imagine. It involves the entire U.S. intelligence community. FBI, CIA, justice. It's incredible. Cover-up had little to do with Watergate. It was mainly to protect the covert operations. Leads everywhere. Get out your notebook. There's more. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen All the President's Men, but at this point in the movie, when Washington Post reporter Bob Woodward meets with his deep background anonymous source, Woodward's investigation of the now infamous Watergate scandal finally catches on. The frustrating investigation reaches a fever pitch, and it sets in motion the resignation of President Nixon. Now, some would say journalism forever changed after Watergate. And today, it seems that anonymous sources leaking sensitive information to journalists 
has become a regular occurrence. Whether it's the Pentagon Papers, Elliot Snowden, Julian Assange, the Flame Affair, or even more recently with the Trump administration leaks, it might make for good cinema and TV ratings. But we have to ask the question, is leaking sensitive information a virtuous thing or is it harmful? What if that leak becomes a threat to our national security? Let's pick up our conversation with Dustin Carmack and learn why it's important for our law enforcement to use all the available tools to hunt these leakers down. Are you looking for an easy and entertaining way to keep up with the news you care about? The Daily Signal and Heritage Foundation YouTube channels offer interviews with policy experts on the most critical issues and debates America is facing today, as well as short explainer videos that break down complex issues and documentaries that dive deep into the ways policy actually impacts people. Go ahead and subscribe to both the Daily Signal and Heritage Foundation YouTube channels today. You can search for either on your YouTube app or visit youtube.com slash Heritage Foundation and youtube.com slash Daily Signal. All right, let's start from the top of your piece. It was in the Daily Caller. It's called, The DOJ is Justified in Using All the Tools at Its Disposal to Hunt Down Leakers. Now, I got to tell you, man, the, the headline just grabbed me. It really, really did because, you know, here in D.C., we, we're constantly hearing about about leaks and and what that leads to. And, and, you know, a lot of times it goes nowhere. But especially now, you know, you start with um, the alleged Russia collusion by the Trump campaign. And after, you know, Mueller finds nothing, uh, the Department of Justice launched an investigation into all of the classified information that was leaked. Just... Just give us a little bit more context and catch us up to where we are right now and set the stage for uh, this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the uh, New York Times, I believe, was the first one to report here a few weeks ago uh, about uh, several members of Congress and actually several members of the media outlets that had been under gag order uh, by the Department of Justice related to some subpoenas uh, that had been given to them. Uh, as it related to these investigations. So there's really not a lot of details uh, as we currently know right now. So so let me stop you there. Who issued these subpoenas? What 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 was the the reason for this? The understanding from the the article as it, you know, as it states right now is that the Department of Justice had launched, you know, a variety of investigations into okay. national security related leaks of classified information. Okay. And this this is all springing from was it in 2019 when the Trump-controlled Department of Justice said, hey, we got to look into how all this information just somehow got out kind of a thing? Is that, is that what it was, basically? Absolutely. Well, okay. there was also, you know, at the same time, uh, Jim Comey, the former FBI director, has also had been under investigation uh, briefly for, you know, his the, the possible classified information that he had given in his memos over to his longtime friend that had been leaked to the New York Times. Hmm. There was the, you know, the the Michael Flynn uh, transcripts uh, to his conversations with uh, the Russian ambassador uh, that happened prior to uh, his time as national security advisor briefly. 
So, you know, like I said, there's not a lot of details currently about what these investigations, but I mean, the likelihood is that they were looking at how this information came to be out in the public. Okay, so let me just ask you this from from just a bird's eye view. Is this a common thing that happens with the Department of Justice or is this specific to the Trump administration? No, it's it's absolutely it's it's a bipartisan, nonpartisan issue that has been painting government officials for years. Okay. I mean, Janet Reno gave testimony before the Senate Intelligence Committees back, you know, right when Clinton left office, hmm. primarily focused on that they have a really difficult time hunting down people that leak national security related classified information. You know, this this all actually happened under Attorney General Eric Holder. I mean, they've hmm. had a long time of policy to be able to go after and use tools in their toolbox to go after leakers. But there was a specifically there was a 2012, 2013 case uh, investigation, leak investigation that related to some metadata being subpoenaed from some Associated Press reporters. Okay. And there was a big uproar about that. And that was related to the leak of an al-Qaeda, uh, essentially an al-Qaeda source uh, that was used to hunt down a, a terrorism plot. Well, you said in, in your piece in Daily Caller, and I'm going to link to it, absent from the current brouhaha is any debate on how damaging leaks of classified information can be, both the national security of the United States and to the women and men who risk their lives to keep our nation safe. Let's let's just get a little more specific about the impact. Just give us some examples of of what the, how this manifests itself. Well, you know, there's twofold. So I mentioned earlier there was the case of uh, a bomber, a, a Al Qaeda bomber, yeah, uh, and a source that had been put in place. Um, this is as it was reported. Yeah. Uh, and it was leaked to some Associated Press reporters back in 2012, 2013. And, you know, the attorney general, now this, the former attorney general Barr had actually written an op-ed in the New York Times also t- discussing this with, this was also with the former counterterrorism advisor for uh, President Bush, essentially like hunt down these leakers because these damage essentially, you know, that was a, a, an amazing source likely that we essentially burnt. And like wow. I said, this could also, you know, when it comes to sources and methods, depending on if it's an overseas source, especially in a counterterrorism investigation, it could be a matter of life and death for folks too that are overseas. Hmm. Other cases, I mean, look at the case of last summer, there had been the case of leaked information as it related to supposed, you know, Russian bounties. Hmm. Um, and very, like I said, cherry picked information, didn't contain a clear picture I can't even discuss, you know, most of the, you know, uh, underlying, you know, parts of that. But right. the Biden administration said this last April, you know, as they related when they started making moves on the the, the Russian government in terms of sanctions, mm. that they didn't consider that as part of the package because they viewed that intelligence now to be either low to moderate. Yeah, yeah. And, and and what I think what I really think it drives here is is and, and you mentioned it earlier, which I think that is is very very telling. This is maybe not clearly, but it can definitely be abused for political purposes. You know, when you like you said, cherry picking stuff and then just leaking it that that drives for a headline, and then whether it goes anywhere or does anything, the damage has been done. This happened. All the time last year. I mean, I worked for the director of national intelligence and we were in charge of essentially kind of spearheading the government's efforts as it related to intelligence gathering for election security in terms Hmm. of like foreign and malign influence campaigns, foreign actors, you know, trying to get, get involved in the U.S. election cycle. 
And, you know, members of Congress, we were going through our oversight ma- matters to essentially brief them on a, you know, on a common basis. You know, it happens all the time between either the leadership of the House and the Senate or the House Intelligence Committees or the Senate Intelligence Committees. But in many ways, you know, these briefings ended up becoming larger scale events. There's a lot of interest as, as anyone would want, you know, in terms of an election cycle. But a lot of times this classified information would leak less than five minutes after mm-hmm. one of these briefings, after they spent, you know, just essentially the first 10 minutes warning people about the seriousness of the nature of the information that they were hearing, why it was important to protect it, that it needed to be encapsulated, you know, in a broader picture of intelligence gathering mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, cherry picking one thing can mean, you know, you can kind of identify one thing that just fits your political narrative. Yeah. And so that's one of the things that, you know, was really, was really, we struggled with. Let, let me ask you this from, from your obvious um, experience. I, I'm wondering, is this just word of mouth leak or are they actually taking stuff from, because everything leaves a footprint now. I type a keystroke. And my server is probably going to record that I typed that keystroke. I mean, like we say, metadata shows everything kind of a thing. Is this can all this stuff be traced? Can all of it be traced? These leaks are all kind of documented. It's just they're hiding behind bureaucratic rules or is it, you know, the journalists are protecting. How does this happen? How does this work and why isn't it so easily tracked? It depends. I mean, you know, this could be a source meeting with somebody in person over lunch. Uh, It could be on a park bench. (laughs) It could be, you know, via a telephone call. It could be via an encrypted uh, app such as, you know, Signal or, you know, end-to-end encrypted uh, applications, which make it much more difficult for an investigator uh, to be able to look into. And that's what I really wanted to kind of round back to is in the case of these leak investigations, so usually what ha- what has to happen is the agency in which the information was based from in terms of the, the classified information has to file something called a crimes report, mm-hmm. which essentially has to answer 11 questions that for the, the DOJ and the, the, the FBI hmm. because they essentially have to prioritize because if you're talking about you know, a lot of times this classified information, depending on if it's compartmented or if it's, uh, you know, kind of more broadly disseminated, this could go to thousands of people. Wow. So trying to kind of find a needle in a haystack for a leak is really difficult for investigators. So they really have to kind of look and judge, the department does, and choose cases that either they find to be highly damning to national security hmm. uh, in terms of, you know, the level of egregiousness, yeah, you know, in terms right. of how this – and so then they have to choose – once those investigations, even once that process is done and they proceed, they then have to exhaust every other medium wow. before they would, you know, the, the way the regulation worked as it, I understand it from under, you know, Attorney General Eric Holder and even prior to that was they would, you know, have to exhaust every other medium and then only then could those investigators go for the subpoenas of records that related to either uh, members of the press. Wow. And again, you know, in, in, in my opinion, and now this is not to say that uh, this removes any liability of a journalist if they disseminate yeah. national security, you know, leaked information. But I the, generally the Department of Justice does not care about the disseminator from that perspective as, as it relates to the press. They care about the leaker. Mm-hmm. And that's what my point of my piece was. So really what I'm kind of picking up here is it's really easy to leak something. It's really easy for someone to leak something. But how easy is it to investigate a leak? <laughs> Nearly impossible. 
you know, Jeez. at the end of the day, you're talking about information flows that could go to 10 people, 20 people, 50 people, 100 people. Hmm. And those, you know, it, each one of those could create multiple leads. So for an investigator, it's extremely difficult. And so they're trying to line up where these sources possibly met, you know, how this information was disseminated. They look for, you know, particular areas of the information that, you know, had been leaked. Mm -hmm. You know, was it a paper copy? Is this all <laughs> secondhand information? What should be um, the response of the Biden administration in your ideal world to this? You know, uh, but we again, we need tools to ensure that we stay safe. We need these. So what should be the posture? You know, I think one of the things that's going to be interesting here is because I'll be curious you know, again, because just not predetermining what happened in, in these investigations. You know, I think the inspector general will look through this. But, you know, they're going to be looking through what the Democrats and, and others are saying, that there's possible political motivations for these investigations being launched in the first place. So that needs to be sorted out, one. But two, the other thing, in my opinion, is, is that whoever, you know, asked for these subpoenas clearly knew at some point that they were going to be out there, you yeah. know, in terms of, like this, you know, everything will come out with sunshine eventually. And so, you know, they must have been taking it seriously enough for them to go forward with these subpoenas that they felt like they were relying on information and they had exhausted every other medium. Yeah. The Justice Department is justified in using all the tools at its disposal to hunt down leakers. Do you see the current administration doing everything that they can to ensure that those tools exist? Or are you nervous with this posture right now? What the president channeled and the attorney general channeled like two days later, to me, it doesn't bode well for what I think should be a bipartisan, nonpartisan issue to allow the Department of Justice to do fair, incredible cases, investigations to hunt down leakers of classified information. And what I worry about here is the political expediency of the brouhaha, as I mentioned mm, earlier, yeah. Uh, is causing everybody to make fast reactions without knowing all the facts. Hmm. Or vice versa, cutting your, your nose off to spite your face. In the long term, DOJ needs to have these tools. Dustin, thank you so much for coming in today. I appreciate the piece. And we're going to continue to track this because, like you said, there's a lot more to be said. Thank you. I appreciate it. Folks, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Heritage Explains. All this talk about leaks, uh, our, our producer, John Pop, said we should tell them that they should feel free to leak our episodes to their friends and family. And that is, I'm going to tell you something, John, that is one leak we will not hunt down. So please feel free to share our podcast with your friends and family. Also, I've linked to Dustin Carmack's work in the show notes, so please log on. He's doing incredible work here in the Center for Tech Policy at Heritage, so please log on and see all the things he's up to there. Michelle's up next week. We'll see you then. Heritage Explains is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is produced by Michelle Cordero and Tim Descher with editing by John Pop.